you need to communicate with your staff. You need to make sure folks are understanding why this change is important. So actually having a strategy and continuing to come back to it, having a change leader in place is really important. And, and part of that starts with at the executive level and just below championing that change, ensuring that as you're talking across the organization, that everyone's bought in about why we're doing this, why this is important. These are some key pieces that, that really do help push forward a successful change. Welcome to another episode of Home Health 360, where we chat with home-based care experts from around the globe. I'm Jeff Howell. You know, we spend very little time talking about ourselves on this podcast, and that is not the case today. I have someone who's been at AlliCare for eight years, which is an eternity in tech. I have Chase Potter. He's the VP of Professional Services. He leads a team of over 50 and he implements the Eli Care software. He oversees discovery. He does project management and he helps train and optimize folks that are coming on to Eli Care. So today's episode is really going to be about technology and transformational change to your business. So if you're out there, you're listening, you're thinking about software, we will try to make it less about Eli Care and more about change management and moving on to new technology. Chase, thanks for being here today. Oh, thanks for having me, Jeff. It's really a, a pleasure to be on. Long time listener. So excited to be here. <laughs> That's what happens when I just send it through Slack to you every time it gets released. <laughs> yeah, maybe a bit. Let's jump right in. What, give us some myths. So if I'm out there and I'm thinking, hey, that really when you're changing even from paper and going on to software for the first time or when you're changing EMRs, there is definitely a perception that it's going to be hard no matter what. I'm curious about maybe some myths or misnomers that people actually have about the process. Yeah, it's a great question. I've got a, a couple to jump to mind. First one, fast implementation means success. Don't get me wrong. Like when we start a project, the time to value is incredibly important for our team. We want our customers to see value in a decision that they've made quickly. That said, and especially in cases of large-scale implementations, you need to go slow in order to go fast. It's taking time to do a discovery, learn a bit more about your business, and ensure that the project we embark on is aligned with your business objectives. Otherwise, you're risking a lot more time being needed to spend much later on in the process. Measure twice, cut once. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. One other myth that pops to mind is that implementation is only an IT project. The software implementation is all about IT. That's just not true. Like for any successful software implementation, you need to have buy-in and engagement from your business leaders. If you want your staff to adopt the product, they can't just feel like this is an IT project that is happening to them. They need to feel a part of it. I love how you phrase that happened to them. And as you were saying that, we're all guilty of not using all the tools, regardless of what your role is or what company you're working for. There's always one or two tools that most people use that were strange creatures and the fact that we like some softwares and we don't like others. That's absolutely true. What would you define as like an enterprise customer in terms of number of employees for home care? Two, 3,000 employees. Okay. So let's go with that. 
what are the implementation steps that like a home care agency of that size can expect to go through when they're moving from one software to another? I think the first stage you can expect to embark on, and this might not be consistent with, with every software vendor, but it is with us. It's a, a pre-implementation discovery engagement. You know, when we first started implementing Care eight years ago, we used to jump just right into configuring the application. And we would uncover requirements as we went, leading to unpleasant surprises on both sides of the fence. But beyond surprises, it's easy to lose track of why you're making the effort to to do this software implementation when you get into the weeds. So the discovery, it forces you to really articulate the business objectives and ensure that you're coming back to them as the project is progressing. So you don't get stuck in, I like this button to be over on the left-hand side of the screen. And you're instead coming back to, I want to improve my scheduling efficiency by 30%. So that discovery engagement, really important key phase. In our world, we move next into that environment configuration where we take what we learn in discovery and start to put it into practice in the software. Now, we know that while two businesses might be very similar, they are very rarely, I've still not found it at all, identical. And there really is a need to collaborate on these configurations um, around the platform and ensure that as we build off our best practices, we're still meeting the needs for your business within the software. And going beyond the configuration of user acceptance testing is, is really important. You've built out your workflows, your configuration of the environment is set to go. You need to actually test it. Make sure that the software is going to work for you. And our team, when we support our, our customers in, in preparing for user acceptance testing, helping to build out test cases and ensure that the customer is, is comfortable at the end of that testing period, ready to, to go live. And then beyond testing, is a feel good software, it was great. Move into training. You know, training is obviously an essential component to adoption of any platform. On our side, we, we generally lead with a train-the-trainer model. We find that by training up a number of users and super users and trainers within a customer, we're more likely to get staff buy-in from the platform on a broader basis. The reality is that a nurse in the field is more likely to really hear what's being said from someone at their company that they're used to seeing on a regular basis than a software vendor who's coming in. Got it. How long would each of these stages be for a project of this size? It is highly dependent on the individual organization, the number of service lines, complexity. Generally, when we're working with a a larger enterprise organization, we do consider a, a phased implementation where we start with either a region or a service line where we think we can deliver value more quickly based on what we know of your business. And time from that initial kickoff to the first phase go live is usually somewhere in the four to eight month range. Okay. And when you say kickoff, that is that still just like a, a portion as in like this user acceptance testing or like when would you expect like the entire switchover is done? Yeah. So the entire switchover, it's again, it's going to be 
I'm going to say it again. Every agency is different. So I don't want to put uh, like broad strokes out there. But for an agency of the size that we're talking about, let's say it's you know, predominantly personal care, we're probably looking at uh, somewhere between eight to, to 12 months for a full full project. Yeah, we live in a very uh, simple, straightforward, cookie cutter industry, right? So every project is absolutely, must be so boring. Oh, yeah, no, everyone is exactly the same. It's weird. I don't know how I'm still like, I, every day I wake up and think, wow, you got to do the same thing again. <laughs> no, that's, I can say I have not been bored one, one day. Yeah, no, no doubt. What about change management strategies? Like, what's your advice? I would imagine most people you deal with, this is their first rodeo. Right. And it's because no, no one wants to go through this twice if they can avoid it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'd say start with having a strategy. That's not something that's a given. And even in cases where we see an upfront focus on change management, it's so often one of the first things that just disappear. And you get stuck in the weeds of the project and you're pushing through the implementation and you forget that you need to communicate with your staff. You need to make sure folks are understanding why this change is important. So actually having a strategy and continuing to come back to it, having a change leader in place is really important. And, and part of that starts with at the executive level and just below championing that change, ensuring that as you're talking across the organization, that everyone's bought in about why we're doing this, why this is important. These are some key pieces that, that really do help push forward a successful change. I would imagine there's a number of customers that lean on the vendor to say, hey, you guys do this every single day. Can you help us out with this strategy? I would imagine it's in the best cases, it's maybe a 50-50 partnership on what the strategy is. Yeah, it's very much a, a collaboration. I think we work pretty closely with our, our customers in supporting the change management initiatives. At the end of the day, like just like with training, your internal stakeholders really do need to be the champions of that change. Your field staff want to hear from their schedulers who want to hear from their managers about why this change is important to them. So we'll be right there supporting from a strategy perspective, supporting the implementation of your change strategy. But as a customer, like this is important. It's something you need to focus on and be prepared to really be the change champions, no matter what you're implementing. How do you deal with the folks that you can identify as ones that are most resistant, whether it be you as the vendor or the C-suite? There's always going to be the folks that want to do things the way that they've always been done. So I'm curious, like, how do you deal with those people? Yeah. Look, of course, like you really need to lead into why this is going to be important for them, make them a, a part of this. So whether this be at more the field staff level and gamifying the training experience and offering incentives, highlighting top performers, really making building some some buzz around this and showing, hey, this is exciting. You're going to get something for this. But also on the why this matters, if you don't stress the why, you just leave it open. And we're all, we're human beings and we're all at least a little bit resistant to change. So what's in it for me? Like that piece is really key. Well, okay, you're going to get paid quicker. Maybe you now integrated with some sort of daily pay uh, organization as well. You could get paid daily. Maybe you're a scheduler. And right now you spend a lot of time on repetitive tasks. Okay, let's kill back some of those repetitive tasks and spend more time with clients. 
talking to clients and caregivers, what you really want to do in your role. So making that why at the forefront uh, really does help uh, move some of that hesitation. At the end of the day, you're still going to have some hesitation, but as folks see the energy around them, see others adopting the platform to turn to hit on them as well. You uh, mentioned repetitive tasks. I feel like that the rate of uh, change in the industry has sped up in a very positive way. And I know we're seeing some customers that are automating visit reminder calls. They are sending SMS messages for visit cancellation. I think it's pretty exciting to see what's happened in the no code world. And this is not even AI stuff. It's just like if then rules. Do you have any insights? I'm not that close to it, but I know of some case studies. But to me, I think the more we can, the whole industry can shift to a world of automating the boring, uh, mundane, migraine-inducing repetitive tasks, the more everyone can focus on providing better care and recruiting more caregivers. Do you have any thoughts on what we might see over the next year in terms of how agencies are going to hit the next level? I, mean, I think, uh, to your point, we're just at the beginning with this, and we're just, you can say, even at Lyot Care, we're just starting to, to scratch the surface with what these tools are capable of doing. Our particular workflow automation tool is called Aliacare Connector. And when we first started using it, oh, it's going to be a good tool for building connections between partners and other integrated systems. And then we got into it. Actually, this is going to allow us to integrate with ourselves and build these workflow automations off of anything that takes place in the system. They give you an example, like in Aliacare, you can send visit offers. You go into the system, you select the group of employees you want to send a visit offer to, and you send it out. And we were visiting with a customer one day and they're saying, listen, this is what we do every day. Our scheduler logs on, they send visit offers for the, the 30 visits that are vacant for tomorrow. Each of those visit offers takes a minute to two minutes to, to send as they select all those employees. You know what? That doesn't need a human. Mm-hmm. That's a, that is a repetitive task. So we looked at Aliacare Connector, again, to our, our internal APIs and discovered that we could automate that. We could do exactly what the, the human being was doing today, selecting employees based on the same criteria they were using and automate the sending of visit off. And this led to a reduction. And this is just in one office, a reduction of about 500 hours per year in just sending visit offers. That seems also like a somewhat small office. Yeah. So this is one office of a customer that has about 50 offices across the company, and they've since spread out this solution across the, the rest of the network and are seeing similar results. Yeah. And even if it's just the 500 hours times the 50 offices, this starts to become really meaningful. Not to mention, it's the kind of work that is not really gratifying. It's just tasks that have to be done. And if we can That's help exactly everyone right. move on to more meaningful work, like actually delivering on better care and building relationships and making meaningful decisions, then you'll get more satisfaction out of the work that you do as well. No, you're hitting on that exactly. We don't walk into any home care office and talk to a scheduler and hear, I am so excited about all of the clicks on my call down list? No, they get they, they light up when they talk about their engagement with, with clients and caregivers. That's what we're trying to, to do more of. Let's migrate over to the topic of data migration. 
it's one of the big things that people think like, this is why it's going to be painful. It's like moving all of my data from whatever system to whatever system. It's never just easy. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on how the industry has changed over time. Is this a lot easier now? Will it ever be seamless? Bring me through what's involved. I'm assuming on my end that once you get past data migration, and that's going to be a challenge, the next biggest obstacle is just the change management. But the migration piece seems to me like it has a more solvable nature to it. I think you're hitting on it right on, Jeff. When we start to talk to, to customers about an implementation, when we show how like the various phases of the implementation go, we put a big line across the bottom for data migration. That's stretching across the whole length of the implementation. It's not easy. Migrating data is not an easy thing. It can be made a lot easier. I'll talk about a couple of the tools that, that we're using. When you're dealing with, with health data, that's layers of complexity around how you're able to, to move that data, whether it's extracting it from your, your current system or importing it in, into a lie care. And it can get a lot harder when you start by saying, I want every piece of data in my current system for all time to go into my new system. That's not a great starting point. We try to work with our customers to think about what data do you need to be successful on day one? What data do you need to be successful on day 30? And then let's work back from that. What do we actually need to migrate over? Because if you've been in a system for 10 plus years, you've likely changed how you use that system a number of times. And Data in particular fields probably isn't as clean as you'd like it to be. It also probably doesn't need to come into the new system. It allows us to start having that conversation about how we map the data from your current system into Eliacare. We have a technical services team that focuses entirely on data migration. And they work with our customers on mapping and extracting the data out of their current systems and into a a data import template uh, for Eliacare. We now actually also have a self-serve data migration tool within the system that allows you to test migrating data and validate data mapping directly within the tool. This is a relatively new feature that allows for data migration to be easily iterative, checking throughout the course of a day, is this not being working, is this not being working, and continuing through the process in a way that previously would have taken more time and more full runs into an environment of Eliacare to, to have that same level of validation. So we're improving. It's definitely something that is becoming more attainable for smaller customers to be able to migrate more data. Customers that don't have large IT teams in place, but still need to be able to move data from one system to another. That's getting easier. And when you think about a large enterprise home care company, data migration is still going to be complex. You have a lot of data that needs to move from one system to another. Now, maybe it's more than one system too. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's more than one system. And probably some paper added into there as, as well. Um, but the tools that are coming along are, are making it easier, facilitating that, that process to be smoother than it had been in the past. It's funny, we talk about multiple systems and being on paper and whatnot. And anytime we put together like some ROI case studies, I remember a colleague saying, we actually don't know what the ROI is because they weren't measuring anything before. Which brings me to my next question is that when you're considering making a switch, it can be daunting the whole number of ways that you try to add up where you're actually getting value. It's easy to see the cost of something. I'm paying X, 
and I'm shopping around and all the other options, they look like they're, I'm going to be able to run my business better on these softwares, but they're all more expensive and I'm not sure. So my question is, if you're a first timer, then how do you really try to figure out like cost versus value? Really evaluating your current state. What are our current processes? Identifying areas of pain and of waste and using those to help define your objectives for the project. So if we're going through a workflow today and we say, all right, at this point, we have to go outside of our current system and add something into a Google Sheet that then gets emailed over to Joe in accounting. All right, this process is wasteful. It's taking us an extra 10 minutes every time we add a client. Okay, we want to just cut that step out altogether. We know that takes 10 minutes every time we do it a thousand times a week. This is the cost to us for doing this. We need to be able to cut this out. There's our return on investment. You don't need to go deeply into every single step you take everywhere to find these big opportunities for a high return on your investment. Like going back to my earlier example with the visit offers, this was a small step, right? A visit offer takes one minute to send. But this company is large and they're sending tens of thousands of visit offers a week. So very quickly, you turn that one small wasteful step into a huge return on investment. Every single day. Yeah. And it's funny that when you said that story as well, we're the vendor and we didn't know we could do that. So it's a funny business where it's complex enough that on the provider side, they actually don't even know all of the little steps and processes of how all of their employees spend all of the time in the day. They don't know if there's a better way to do things. And then sometimes not even all the vendors are actually fully aware of what they can provide. And then you just try to piece it all together and then quantify it. That's so true. Further focusing in on that, often when we get into a discovery engagement or we're talking to a customer in the sales cycle, we're dealing with a group of folks that are mostly at the executive level. And they do have a very good understanding of their business. But these small, wasteful steps, they don't often know about. They don't know that Tom is taking an extra step every time he goes to schedule a visit because that doesn't bubble up. So for us, like when we do a, a discovery engagement, we don't just sit with the executive team. We like to actually shadow how folks are using their current system, the steps that they're taking. It's the same approach we take when we come back around to do maybe a business optimization engagement on someone's use of Aliacare. We need to see it. We need to see what you're really doing to be able to identify some of the biggest value points. It's this two steps backwards to start and you're slowing down to speed up. And I love what you said about we sell the deal and then just show up and then start configuring the software. Then you're just going to run into it. It changed a little bit in eight years since we started this. Well, we're almost bumping up against our time here, Chase. I certainly could go on for hours talking shop with you. Why don't we wrap up with you providing a few best practices for if someone out there is listening and they haven't gone through a change management technology project before. Just curious what your top three pieces of advice might be. Three pieces. I'd say start with a strong and dedicated core team. This is a core team that is cross-functional in nature and can well represent your business and can dedicate a good portion of their time towards this project. 
that will really help moving any project forward and ensuring that you have the right representation when decisions need to be made. Clear business objectives. Uh, I've said this one a few times now, but projects are so easily derailed when you don't have these objectives to link back to. No implementation or product is going to be perfect, but is that small imperfection preventing you from reaching your goals? The answer is yes, and okay, let's put a pause on it. But if it's not, let's keep going. And then the third one, a post-implementation review. Okay. So most bad habits post-go-live are formed within the first three months. The staff signed a way to do something that gets the job done, but is far from optimal. So before you consider actually saying case closed on the project, take the time to look back at how folks are doing things and optimize the usage. I like that. And I can relate because I think I made a list one time and I've been the administrator for something like 33 different SaaS products while being here. (laughs) None of which that are like really systems of record per se. However, I would agree with you when I've been part of a selection committee, it's pretty ad hoc and people have their biases and We certainly don't necessarily outline any super crystal clear business objectives that we document. And then we certainly pretty much don't do any post-implementation review. If anything, we have confirmation bias (laughs) in that the people that have decided we're doing this are champions for it. And then we will have varying degrees of adoption and success. And it doesn't matter how big or small the tool is. It applies to all of them. That's exactly right. Chase, this has been Amazing. I have taken down, as always, a lot of notes, but my favorite line was the IT project that happened to them. And this is the podcast that happened to you. So I hope you've enjoyed your time here. Thanks so much, Jeff. It really was a pleasure. Thanks. We'll have to do this again sometime. Thanks, Chase. Sounds good. Take care. Home Health 360 is presented by Liacare and hosted by Jeff Howell and Aaron Valier. First, we want to thank our amazing guests and listeners. Second, our episodes air twice a month, so be sure to subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. And last but not least, if you liked this episode and want to learn more about all things home-based care, you can explore all of our episodes at aliacare.com slash homehealth360 or visit us on your favorite podcast platform.